It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Joining me now, the Attorney General of the State of Virginia, Jason Miares. Uh, Attorney General Miares, nice to have you on the show, sir. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you this morning. You know, I started out by talking about freedom today. And in Virginia, you've been at the forefront of these battles, the recent election cycle, uh, you being part of that for freedom, freedom, parents' rights, uh, freedom, reasonable uh, discussions on mandates and their use or not use. So let's dive right in and start at the collegiate level, the latest news uh, from the governor's office and, of course, the responsibilities of the attorney general's office on mandating COVID-19 vaccines for students in public universities. Uh, what is the status now and why are we here with this discussion? Well, I mean, David, you're right. I mean, freedom means uh, somewhat treating people with both dignity, respect, and treating them like adults. And uh, that has been a big part of what Governor Youngkin ran on, what I ran on, is let treat people like adults. We're now in year, going into now year three of the pandemic. Um, as far as the college vaccine, I think one of the things that we all get frustrated is when people on the far left decide they're going to interpret the law to what they think it should be and not what the plain language is. And so the attorney, the governor asked me to issue an attorney general's opinion. It's considered almost like a quasi-judicial uh, ruling to say, hey, what is the law exactly in these uh, colleges mandating COVID-19 vaccines? And so uh, my staff looked at what the law is, and the law in Virginia is pretty simple. We have six vaccines mandated in the Code of Virginia, um, including measles and several others, to, to attend the public college uh, in Virginia. But COVID-19 was not on the list. Uh, these colleges just decided they were just going to uh, usurp the authority of the General Assembly and add something in the code that wasn't there. And so I issued an attorney general's opinion that was issued to all of the colleges and universities uh, saying, listen, um, you can't just arbitrarily add a vaccine that wasn't authorized. And as I told the media, listen, there's a way to add it. If, if you believe it should be there, then someone needs to introduce a piece of legislation, go through the public input process, go through committee, get to the floor and get it voted to the governor's desk. But we're not going to pretend like the law is something that it's not. And so uh, I said when I was running for attorney general, I was going to be calling balls and strikes, say what the law is, not what I think the law should be. And um, that's kind of where we're at. So that's where we are. Most colleges, um, I think almost every school uh, has already said publicly that they are going to no longer mandate the uh, COVID-19 vaccine uh, in Virginia. Let students treat students like adults. Let them make that individual decision themselves. Uh, I think the few that have not, they are right now going through an internal process to determine what they're going to do. But we, we know what the law is. We're confident what the law is. Uh, and uh, yet one more example of many of us wanting to treat people like adults uh, now that we're in the uh, midst of the, you know, the, the pandemic. I'd like to keep uh, this focused on the legal aspect as well. Of course, there's always mm -hmm. a political, a social, and a, a public discussion. But let's bring this, the Virginia Constitution into this. Go to K-12 through education in that lo those levels, if you will, and the Virginia Constitution's requirement that there be equal access to education. And many of 
stated that under the Constitution, the education, the Department of Education in Virginia, and more primarily the public school system, has violated the Constitution in the intent that there be equal access for all. And this involves, obviously, the debate around uh, the various mandates, the closing of schools, the, the remote learning. And what we now are finding out is a disparity in the quality of learning for many who may not even have access to the technology to engage in remote learning. Well, we passed a bill in the General Assembly that essentially got kids back in school Um uh, so the remote learning, you are right. We, the impact, the long-term societal impact of what has happened with the four shutdowns and the remote learning, uh, some people that did not do any in-person learning for, you know, 18 months plus, was absolutely devastating for our children and, um, and, and really has created both the mental health crisis. It is particularly have a disparate impact in so many uh, in our minority communities, both African-American and Latino. Our scores have dropped uh, in Virginia when our, our SOLs, our standards of learning. And the remote learning has had a, a, a just a devastating impact. And we right, right at a time when we're seeing some serious progress. And so there is a lot of questions right now about that. But listen, you have some areas right now you have certain school districts right now in, in Virginia that are just completely failing their kids. You have some that have north of 67-70% that aren't reading at a fourth grade level. And so there's a lot of questions right now. It's why Governor Youngkin has been such an advocate for lab schools and getting some, some actual parental empowerment where parents will have a, more options of what, where their kids are going to be educated right now. Of course, the teachers unions are fighting that every step of the way. Um, but also, in the, not in the Virginia Constitution, but in the Code of Virginia, it also says that parents have a fundamental right to the education and upbringing of their child. And so um, I think part of the, the question on, say, the mask mandate is that also goes into empowering parents to make these decisions for their children. And, you know, when, when Terry McAuliffe in that infamous debate said he didn't think parents should have any influence or saying what their kids are learning in school, he kind of said the quiet part out loud which, um, you know, that too many people on the other side of the aisle and on the left, they don't think parents know what's best, and they, don't, they think they know what's best for their children um, better than the parents. Whenever I run into a, a kind of left-wing social activist who has that view, I always want to ask them, if you know what's best for my child, what's their name? What's their birthday? What's their favorite food? Um, and so I think we really are seeing if there's any message I want to get to Republicans and conservatives around the nation that they should take away from Virginia is, number one, don't be afraid to, to stand up to the far woke left. And the second is uh, parental empowerment. Uh, believe that should be, I think, in anybody – Running for office should be about empowering parents, about making the best decisions for their child. I think that's a critical component because I think parents increasingly, there's any silver lining from this pandemic of the shutdown and the virtual schools, is parents saw what their children were learning, what they were bringing home, and many of them were just mortified at, at um, what they were learning. And, you know, as Governor Youngkin said, we should be teaching our children to love one another, not judge one another. And, um, you know, that's exactly what some of the radical critical race theory doctrines really have done. And so um, parental empowerment, that's the key. And um, and that's what we're going to be fighting for here in Virginia. 
my guest, the Attorney General of Virginia, uh, former VA Secretary of Education, Atif Carney, in the early days of your administration, uh, accused the governor of launching an assault on public education equity, the, one of the key issues, critical race theory in the race for the governor's mansion, for both the governor, the lieutenant governor, and yourself and other Republicans. Uh, so the accusation, once again, uh, directed in a race construct but you just talked about failing students, and you didn't separate by race. So where is the contradiction here to the statement by the uh, former uh, former education secretary? You know, I think Virginians and Americans are getting tired of when you have a policy disagreement with somebody, they just suddenly decide they're going to inject race as, as, as a weapon to try to make uh, solve a political argument. And I think it's laughable. I think her accusations against the governor are laughable um, uh, by what she said. I mean, what, what Glenn Youngkin has said repeatedly, what I have said, what Winston Sears has said, is teach all of our history. Uh, teach the good and the bad. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the, the two great stains in American history are both the stain of what, how we treated the Native Americans and then slavery. Absolutely. We should teach all of our history the darkest chapters. But you should also teach that America is indeed a unique a unique country. We have given more second chances to more people, for more countries, more races, more faiths, more creeds, than any country that has ever existed in the history of the world. And my family fled Cuba, and my mother got on that airplane as a 19-year-old teenager in Havana, Cuba, penniless and homeless. And when she got to this country, she was so grateful that this country gave her that freedom. She did not come here to a country um, and and thought that this is this horrific country, she immediately saw that for all its faults, it is that shining city on a hill. And so we should teach all of our history, but goodness gracious, we have done so much more good on a global scale than bad. There's not a country in the world that gives the level of charity as the United States. There's not a country in the world that does so much volunteer hours as the United States. If there's a tsunami that hits a country in a faraway world, who are the first people to be there? It's the United States military providing food, aid, and comfort. And we have fought and defended more people from tyranny and freedom and liberated from freedom than any country that's ever existed. And for any of your listeners that doubt that, just think for a second. I I want you to go on your phone and Google Korea at night, and you'll see a satellite image of Korea. And the top half of it is dark, and the bottom half is light. And I've asked the high school class, why is that? And the reason that is, is that 38,000 Americans crossed the Atlantic, crossed the Pacific Ocean, went to a land they had never been to, defended a people they had never met, and they died defending one of the worst tyrannies in the world, the world had ever seen communism. And the only thing we asked for, we didn't ask for treasure. The only thing we asked for was a place to bury our dead. The Korean War. And it's called the Forgotten War for a reason. And there's so many other examples of that throughout our history. And so that's also history that we should be teaching our children. And so when people accuse that and are, are trying to distort what, what Governor Yunkin has said is teach all of it, the good and the bad, because I am confident when you teach children all of our history, they see that for all of our flaws, we are fundamentally a good, decent, and noble country. We're not a perfect one, but we are a decent and noble one. And, um, and it's, it's unfortunate that people want to somehow interject um, racial division to try to score political points. And it's, I think I find it sad. 
My guest, the Attorney General of Virginia, Jason Miares. Uh, let's talk about the office. And certainly at the beginning of an administration, there's a lot of work to get things in place. There are issues on the table. And this is your first interview on the show, but I hope there will be many more uh, as we follow key issues, not just in Virginia, but reflective of other issues around the country. Uh, in your uh, office now and in your position, what are other key issues you're focusing on? Well, listen, we, we within an hour of uh, of us getting inaugurated, we popped up to the third floor of, the, of Mr. Jefferson's Capitol here in Virginia, and the governor signed two executive orders, one for me to investigate the parole board and one the second to investigate the tragedy that happened in Loudoun. For your listeners that haven't followed, if you don't think elections have consequences, in Virginia, once we had this far-left liberal monopoly that took power after the 2019 elections, in just two years, they put in social justice warriors on our parole board, and they let out cop killers, murderers, and rapists back on the street, sometimes with decades on their sentence. And they never even bothered to notify the family of the victim. Uh, you had somebody like David Simpkins, who had over 50 prior felony convictions, who got out early. And what did he do? He commits another armed robbery. You had somebody like Patrick Schooley, who had three not one, not two, but three life sentences for the home invasion, murder, and rape of a beloved 78-year-old grandmother in Suffolk, Virginia, named Bessie Roundtree. Bessie's family heard that he had been back on the street uh, and released early from a life sentence when they heard it on the news. And so uh, the pro board scandal, which was huge, it was covered up. Um, and when the inspe- uh, a whistleblower came forward showing that the uh, parole board was breaking the law, not notifying the families of victims before they let people out, the only person that was ever fired was the whistleblower. So uh, we're investigating what happened with the parole board. We're looking at loud, and that is a huge part. There was a criminal first, victim last mindset in Richmond. Um, and not surprisingly, our murder rate's now the highest it's been in over two decades in Virginia. And so public safety is a huge component of what we're going to be looking at uh, in my office. Um, that's very, very important. I'm also a big believer in the Tenth Amendment. Uh, Thomas Jefferson called the states the laboratories of democracy. Uh, so I think federal, you know, pushing back on federal overreach. Um, you know, we filed lawsuit against the OSHA, the OSHA vaccine mandate, and we're glad the Supreme Court ruled in our favor. Uh, which would have federal the federal government force private employers to fire employees, um, and it goes back again to let's let's treat people like adults. So, um, you know, we're going to have a huge public safety focus. Uh, I was a prosecutor in Virginia Beach, in my hometown, um, and so that's going to be a big component. Um, but also, I'm a passionate believer in human dignity, individual rights, the Bill of Rights, and treating people like adults. And um, that's going to be a lot of what we're going to be using our office for. General Miar is one of the things I certainly get on this show and Americans ask, it's a common question, uh, how do I help? How do I get involved? How do I find out more? And I realize not everybody's going to pick up the phone and call you and you're going to be able to pick up and say, uh, let's talk. But when people want to get involved out there, organizations, when they have issues that they think may be relevant to the attorney general's office, and this is in the vein of... Often our conversations or my conversations with attorney generals uh, is about a key issue or a lawsuit, but also people need to understand how the office works, why it exists, and how to interface with their elected officials and their staffs. So can you help people understand uh, the way this works? Well, I mean, listen, I like to say that nothing moves in politics unless it's pushed. 
in the last two years, when the, the, the left controlled Richmond, they basically shut down our capital and said nobody should be here involved and engaged. And uh, I think uh, particularly, I think the wisdom of the founders in Virginia is our General Assembly is a part-time legislature, which means petition your government. Hear, people hearing from you is so important. And I think conservatives kind of view the world very differently in the sense that a lot of times we just want to be left alone. Uh, and that's very, very different than, say, very far-left activists who want to use the power and the instruments of government uh, to impact things. And so oftentimes, say, in Richmond or legislators, the people they often hear from are the people that want to use government for their issue that they're passionate about. And I'm just saying don't sit in your law. Democracy is a particip- participatory sport. Be involved. Be involved in your local uh, unit. If your listener is a Republican, get involved in your local Republican Party. I think that's key. Or go to rpv.org uh, to to get involved in the state party. But nothing moves unless it's pushed. And then also, every single person listening is an ambassador. They have their own uh, group of influence, their own network. They have their own social media influence. Don't be afraid to to also stand and 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 talk about where things are right. Because oftentimes when you talk to folks in this campaign is people felt like they felt alone and they really felt that they had been ignored and they didn't realize there were so many people that felt similarly upset that the schools had been closed, that the curriculum they were teaching was this far, far left distorted view of who America really is. Uh, they did not like what was happening to our children, but they didn't feel like there's anybody that had similar voices. And it's amazing uh, how much bold you can be once you realize there are others that think exactly like you. I think there is a silent majority. I think you saw it in Virginia. I think you're going to see it nationwide uh, this November as well. People that are really frustrated uh, by a government they think has grown too much, too fast, and uh, is ignoring them. And so I think that's going to be critical. Get involved locally. Get involved. If you have, and if anything, we've also seen is how important our school boards are. So um, it is. It's one of the most important positions of all elective government that oftentimes people ignore and think it doesn't matter, or they don't have been vote for, and they don't support uh, for. But I'm saying, if you don't want to run for school board, financially support those that are. Uh, get involved in that area because that's a really important space. Um, for us. But um, I think all of those, be active. It's exactly what the founders wanted. They wanted to engage citizenry. They don't want people to just be stuck on their phones or watching TV. Take at least one or two nights a week that you're committed to improving your environment around you and your community around you. Volunteer. Work with your Rotary Club. Volunteer with your different homeless shelters. Get involved in your local political unit and your party. That is exactly what the Tocqueville viewed America as an America of, of people that are active in their community, that they are engaged. Let's turn off let's turn off the TV and get engaged in your community. You'll also find out as well, Dave, how much more your mental health is improved when you're engaged with those around you and you're helping others. It's amazing how much better you feel about yourself. Highly recommend it for everybody that's listening. Attorney General Miares, thank you, sir. Uh, and I'm with you. Knowledge is power, engagement community action important in our our republic and uh, important as the founding fathers laid out looking forward to many more conversations thank you sir absolutely thanks so much bye-bye next up the lieutenant governor of virginia winsome sears herself an amazing story businesswoman former marine immigrant legislator and now lieutenant governor 
join me live on the David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.